pop that in the recording. <laughs> That's how we opened this week, friends. Wait, did your did they catch the burp? Like, was your is yeah? Your I literally pressed record and burped. creature is rachel i'm fucking majestic yes <laughs> and that stunning amazing woman is becky with uh, <laughs> minus the fucking like gas <laughs> i'm drinking this peach moscato and it's it's definitely giving oh me my like god you are such a fucking girl <laughs> i am i fucking am i just was not feeling the hard liquor today so peach moscato it is on whoever feels hard liquor i do really oh yeah <laughs> i've come i've come to realize like hard liquor is gross mm, you give me like just a fucking glass of whiskey and i will be oh my god oh mm-hmm. my god the thought of that just like made my nips hard like Ooh. that it's like that chill <laughs> like that <laughs> Like that, not the excited no, way. No, like the way. like the shiver. Like. <laughs> no, yeah, it no, it wasn't excitement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just uh, the peach moscato. It was, but it's making me very uh, burpified today. Well, so this is Chardonnay and DNA in Rachel's moscato. Peach, peach moscato. I'm actually drinking Chardonnay. So get on my level. There you go. Mm. I need diabetes in a glass to enjoy. Delicious. Oh, yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed that. The musical stylings of my fucking gas. Wait, speaking Um, of musical stylings, do we have a theme song? We do have a theme song now. Yay. Yeah. uh, It's really cool. Like creepy hip hop beat. I was really digging it. Thanks, Terry, for finding that for us. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, I've been wanting a theme song. Yeah. So it's it's just real, real like chill. And then it kind of has like a creepy vibe and I I really dig it. So maybe eventually we'll add some shit into it. Some some stuff. Who knows? But right now that's what it is. And I love it. And thanks, Terry. Thanks, Terry. You rock. Oh. Um, so we were talking about your sister's upcoming nuptials. Yeah. That's that's Rachel's level of excitement. And I don't mean it to sound like I love no, my sister. You're excited about the event just the, but you have a lot of lot to do. Yes. And yeah, I love my sister. I love Mark, the guy she's marrying. He's the best out of all of them ever. Um <laughs> So real excited about that. Um, but I am the one performing the ceremony. <laughs> yes. And R- Rachel is many things and also a procrastinator, which I am too. There's no hate there. I am many things, but above all, a procrastinator. A procrastinator. So, yeah. Yes. Um, my entire mass, both of my master's degrees were received by the skin of my teeth and doing my final paper three hours before it was due (laughs) so um not even having any work done i'd like to point out like (laughs) from scratch 30 page paper oh my god that makes my that makes me want to throw up yeah 
Um, so, uh, I'm doing the ceremony because I'm technically ordained and, um, which is hilarious because I'm the least fucking religious person. And, um, I have not even started to write the fucking ceremony yet. Oh, what is I'm that? Also what not... does that like entail? Like, um, like I want to tailor it to them. So it's not just like a run of the mill fucking wedding. Like, you know, that you see yeah i like personalize it a little bit yeah and i also have believe it or not an intense fear of public speaking um so this is just gonna be overall a really great fucking time so so oh my god sorry Okay, well, um, that's our episode. Just that's to- it. Thanks, everyone. No. <laughs> yeah, the beginning and ending burp. Um, that was a, such a shitty burp, too. I'm really not proud of the burp. I could have done a better one, but you could have. It's okay. But yeah, so I am. I'm not. I'm not prepared for this wedding at all. I have a really cute fucking dress, and I'm going to look adorable, and I'm excited about that. Well, that's all that matters, um, right? That's truly like, come on. That's really what everyone cares about, right? Yeah. No. But, um. Yeah, so I'm very sick to my stomach over the fact that I have to speak in front of these people. I'd like to point out it is a small COVID safe wedding, but it's still too many people for me to want to speak in front of because, you know, (laughs) one person is too many. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The only reason I pull this podcast off is because it's me talking to Becky. Yeah, (laughs) never, never an audience situation. No, no, no. Right. Which makes no sense because I used to do theater, but I was still terrified. So, um, Anyway, my question for you today mm-hmm. is wedding related. Okay. Um, what was your dream wedding as a child? Oh my, I don't, I, I gave it no such thought. No, really? No. You never so, thought about your wedding when you were a kid? No, never. Hmm. Not even, I can't even recall once. Really? No. Oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I, Rachel didn't tell me what this, what her little topic was, her little icebreaker, so now I feel like a fucking wiener because I have well, no- Well, no, I just assumed, like, I mean, it's one of those things you assume that everyone has thought about what their wedding would have been like at some point in their life. I legitimately have no answers for you. That's so funny. What was yours? Um, my, me and my friend Emily always used to joke because she was a very much a girly girl and I was very much not. Um, and I loved all things dark and she loved all things like princess themed and Mm -hmm. like beautiful. So I always joked that we'd get married on the same day. Um, and like her wedding would be like this posh princess wedding and she'd have like white everything and be beautiful. And mine would be like dark and like black wedding dress and like, you know, that kind of shit. Um, and then she'd release uh, doves and uh, I would release crows and they would kill her doves. <laughs> I was going to say, and you release dead doves. <laughs> yeah, you just, de- just chuck dead doves in the audience. Um, but yeah, like they'd peck the doves eyes out was the whole. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Would you wear thing. a black wedding dress? Yeah, I did. You did? Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't really a wedding dress. So like, as we all know, I had a sham wedding and a real wedding. Um, so the real wedding, I had a flapper dress on. Yeah, that's the one I re- like. Mm-hmm. I know you wore that and that was white, wasn't it? It was like cream. Okay. Um, but it wasn't like a traditional wedding dress. No. And then the black dress that I wore that I bought off Amazon because fuck spending money on one day um, was like 40 bucks. And it was like a 
kind of like a 50s style dress and it was black i forget why did you have like two wedding like what, what was um, that because about? joey and i got married like shotgun wedding style because i needed health insurance really fucking bad and his was free <laughs> um and we had already been engaged for like four years and we were like well fuck it if we don't do it now we're never gonna fucking do it so uh we got married with a very small ceremony that we planned in under a month and then we had a big like kegger as okay. a reception okay. a year later which one did you wear the flapper dress to the actual wedding the first the actual one. one okay and then the second one i wore the black dress with combat boots and fishnets wait how old were you when you guys got engaged mm, that's a really good question because joey well i fucked up my engagement twice um <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah i'm an asshole oh my god this whole the whole world's gonna know i'm the biggest fucking dick uh, ever we don't have to tell the whole world if you don't want to no i mean it's kind of funny in hindsight but like so my neighborhood always had this like competition style thing about who could have the scariest house for Halloween. Yeah. And um, I was decorating and usually Joey helps me and like it's a big fucking ordeal. There's a ton of decorations to put up. We can't put them up until the night of Halloween because people will seal them. And I'm getting frustrated like throwing shit and I can't find Joey. And I'm like, where the fuck is Joey? And I'm getting mad. And then finally he comes from my dad's house down to the front and I'm like, where the fuck have you been and i like snapped at him and i was like i need help like the trick-or-treater is gonna be here in like 15 fucking minutes and nothing's done and i just lost my mind and he was like well i was gonna fucking propose to you but i guess i'm not now it's halloween though (laughs) and like my sister and destiny both kept saying calm the fuck down calm the fuck down he's busy he's busy and i just couldn't hear that you know because i was like no (laughs) he needs to help me what was he bit like was he he went to ask my dad he went to ask my dad that day (laughs) yeah um and then he well yeah he had been spending the whole time like most of the day with my dad so we had already asked him but i think he was just super fucking nervous probably and like i ruined it i feel so bad for like i mean in a stereotypical hetero relationship for the dude whoever's proposing Mm -hmm. whoever has that burden i feel bad for them (laughs) oh yeah well and then the second time um it was in february and we went to a zombie dance that was for like valentine's day um and I did our makeup and like we looked really cool and we were all zombied out. And there were so many people there that he was actually going to propose to me there. But he got scared because there were so many people. And like I can't blame him because I couldn't have fucking done that. And uh, it also there was just nowhere to do it because there were so many people, you know. Okay. Um, so then we went to eat and I was like get in the inside of the booth because I was in a dress and I didn't want to slide. Mm-hmm. And he was like I, I need to sit on the outside. And I was like. I can't slide across the seat, Joey. I'm in a dress. Like, it's just going to ride up and it'll be really uncomfortable. He was like, okay. He slid in the booth and I ruined it again. Oh, because he needed to get up. Yeah, but he still proposed anyway. He was like, well, I was going to kneel, but you kind of fucked me again. But, uh. So is that when he proposed? Yeah, yeah. And he had the ring on like a little zombie, like dead finger. And it was really cute. (laughs) So. That's the most you, you guys. uh, proposal mm-hmm. okay so <laughs> wow okay <laughs> yeah but really though like i would wear like a fully black wedding dress like a like a fancy black wedding like a dress. full-on okay mm-hmm. yep absolutely but yeah with the crows eating the eyes of doves yeah which now i would actually probably sob over so we can't do that i was but gonna like... say that seems very that's um like 
Yeah, that wouldn't really be what you did because you're no, too. You'd be too. It was always a joke. It was never. <laughs> though I would release crows, but I would not, you know, <laughs> expect them to kill anything. Uh, but yeah, so I yeah, that's. I'm still shocked that not even like a dress popped into your mind when you were a kid. No, I honestly like I I do remember you you took me back. I was trying to think like I do remember um, like seeing when I was a kid, like the like David's bridal dresses and be like, oh, those are pretty. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I'd want that kind. But that was the extent of it. Like I I had no I had no plan. uh, No idea. I I always think it's interesting to see, though, because, like, you can see that some people grow up with, like, this grandiose idea of a wedding, and then they have, like, what I had, which was, like, not a big, like, I was frugal as shit, and I did not want to spend any money, Um, and then you have, like, the people who literally will blow, like, 40 grand on a fucking wedding, and I'm like, that's a big down payment on a huge house. That idea gives me so much like that. That fills me with terror, mm-hmm. like spending that much on like a party. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so that's so wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I, I enjoyed learning about your two, your two failed proposals. <laughs> it's very much us, though, you know, that I would fuck something up. So, like, I'm not oh. mad at it. You know, it's, it's a good a, story. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah so nothing romantic for us just uh just me being a bitch zombie fingers and (laughs) being a bitch is my kink apparently because that's all (laughs) i ever do (laughs) you heard it here first y'all yeah so um do you have any updates or corrections or anything that we need to talk about no i don't think so do you no Mm -mm. okay well i have quite a story for you all right i am fucking ready um okay so i was just listening so you know i was struggling hard this week like this was one of the weeks where i was like i have nothing original like no stories are coming to my mind that i want to do i don't fucking know what to do i was getting really I was actually getting really pissed off. I was Googling everything with the term DNA in it that you could think of. Witch <laughs> DNA, alien DNA, ghost DNA, supernatural DNA, DNA <laughs> mystery, DNA cold case. Like, and of course, there are a million DNA cold cases, but I'm like, I'm bored. I want something like weird and cool. Right. So I was listening to another podcast, um, Sinisterhood, and they do a really good, they do a really good one on on this but i was like okay how like is there any kind of dna thing with this and i didn't think there would be because i was running into dead ends everywhere uh but i found a cool dna thing so good good okay this is about the diatlov pass deaths this story is so bonkers bananas wild to me it blows my fucking mind anytime i read about something it's super mind-blowing it's over 60 years old and people are still like what the fuck happened yes um which i think is really cool because it it has not seemed to like have lost any of its like luster and uh mystique like people still want to know what happened so here we go ready Mm-hmm. Okay, so in 1959, a group of 10 young men and women set out for a skiing expedition across the northern Ural Mountains in what was then known as the Soviet Union. So if you think about 1959, Soviet Union, like, that was quite a place to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just, like, lots of 
political i mean this that was shortly i mean there there was time passed since like world war ii but it was still really feeling the effects of that time um a lot of like there's the kgb which is like the um what the kgb was that like the that was like the you have that like they're like the like police uh, force yeah it was kind of like the was it like the communist police force uh the Comitet's not gonna even fucking try. Mm-hmm. Uh, English Committee for State Security, Foreign Intelligence, and Domestic Security Agency of the Soviet Union. Yeah, lots of like very, very communist y. Um, so, like that, that took that, that you're gonna hear about that a lot with this story. So, Igor or Igor Dyatlov was a 23 year old radio engineering student at the Ural Polytechnical Institute, which is now known as the Ural Federal University. And he was the leader who assembled this group, most of whom were students of the university. Um, each member of the group, uh, which consisted of eight men and two women, was an experienced grade two hiker with ski tour experience and Um, After this expedition that they were organizing, they'd be receiving the grade three certification um, upon their return. So they were really experienced hikers. Like they knew they knew what they were doing. Um, They were well prepared. They knew what the elements, you know, they, they roughly knew what to expect. So they were not like novices at any, like, you know, they were, they were really um, experienced at this. Mm -hmm. Uh, so at the time, this was the highest certification, the grade three that they were going to get. This was the highest certification available in the Soviet Union and required candidates to um, to hike 300 kilometers, which is 190 miles. The route was designed by the group members and it was it has to be approved by the local city route commission which their design was. So they confirmed the group of 10 people on January 8th, 1959. And the route undertaken in February was estimated as a category three, which is the most difficult, um, the difficult type to, to hike. And it was the most difficult time of year to hike this place. Is it, it was like probably, Total snow show, like yep. just bullshit. Yep. Super, yeah. super snowy, super windy, super cold. So okay. on January 23rd, 1959, the Dyatlov group was issued their route book, which listed their course as following the number five trail. At that time, the hike was approved for 11 people. The 11th person was listed as Semyon Zolot. Zolotaryov, which I am sorry, these are very Russian names, so I'm doing You're doing best. your best. Yep. So yeah, Semyon Zolotaryov, who was previously certified to go with another expedition of similar difficulty. The Dyatlov group departed for the expedition on the same day, so January 23rd. From January 23rd to the 26th, um, the group had to do some traveling, so they left um, where they started, and they traveled to Vizai, which is a um, village that is, it's the last inhabited settlement to the north in that region. So it's kind of like they went as far north as they could before actually like starting the expedition. So while they were spending the night uh, in this village, the skiers purchased and ate loaves of bread to keep their energy levels up for the following day. So on January 27th, they began their trek toward Gora, a Torton on January 28th, one member Yuri Yudin, who suffered from, 
several health ailments, turned back due to knee and joint pain that made him unable to keep going with the hike. The remaining hike, the remaining nine hikers continued the trek. Diaries and cameras found around their last campsite made it possible to track the group's route up to the day preceding um, the incident that I'll get into. On January 31st, the group arrived at the edge of a highland area and began to prepare for climbing. They stored away food in a wooded valley to eat on the return trip. Um, The next day, the hikers started to move through the pass, and it seemed like they planned to get over the pass and make camp for the next night on the opposite side, but because the the weather was getting a lot worse, um, it was starting to, like, there was a huge snowstorm, there was um, really limited visibility, they ended up losing their direction and they deviated off the path to the west. So when they realized what ha- their mistake, the group decided to set up camp on the side of the mountain rather than move um, you know, almost a mile downhill to an area that would have provided more shelter. It was speculated that Dyatlov, the leader, probably didn't want to lose the altitude that they had gained. Um, and so he de- and he decided to just make the camp on the slope. But if he had gone uh, a little bit like down a little further, they might have had more shelter. Right. Okay. So uh, before leaving, uh, Dyatlov had agreed he would send a telegram back to um, their like sports club where they were doing this through. I, I presume it could have been like tied to the university. Um, but as soon as they returned back to the village where they started. Um, it was expected that this would happen no later than February 12th, but Dyatlov had told them um, back at the sports club that uh, he that he expected that it could be longer than that. Okay. So the 12th passed, and there had been no messages received at the sports club, and there was no immediate reaction because they did just expect that there could be some delays. Uh, but on February 20th, when they still hadn't heard anything, the the kids' relatives were demanding a rescue operation. Which, like, yeah, like, that's eight days later and you still haven't heard anything. That that shit's scary. Listen, one day is uh, scary. I, I know. Like, I if I were the, those, like, mothers and fathers on February 13th, I would have been like, okay, <laughs> get, I, yeah. get your helicopters up there. But I think... I think they were trying to give some, like, you know, leeway, like the weather had been rough. They were experienced, so they probably didn't expect this to go how it ends up going. Mm. So, yeah, on the 20th, that's when uh, a rescue mission was sent out. So um, the head of the of the university sent the first rescue groups consisting of volunteer students and teachers. But soon after police and military forces got involved and they um, started circulating planes and helicopters um, to assist in the search. So on February 26th, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent um, on Kolatsiakl, which I believe is a mountain. Um, I think it's the, the mountain that they had been on the slope of. So the campsite completely confused the search party. Um, one of the volunteers that found the tent said the tent was half torn 
uh, torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Investigators said that the tent had been cut open from the inside. Nine Hmm. sets of footprints left by people wearing only socks or a single shoe or even barefoot could be followed leading down to the edge of the nearby woods on the opposite side of the path, uh, which was almost nine miles um, to the northeast. So after 500 meters or 1,600 feet, these tracks were covered with snow. At the edge of the forest, under um, a large pine tree, the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire. There were the first two bodies. um, They were shoeless and dressed only in underwear. The branches of the tree were broken up to five meters high, um, implying that one of the one of the hikers was trying to climb the tree, probably to look for the camp because they had gotten like blown off course. Okay. so between the pine tree and the camp, the searchers found three more corpses, um, one of which was Dyatlov. Uh, They died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to return back to the tent. They were found distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree. Hmm. Like, that scene just sounds incredibly upsetting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they were pretty much in their underwear in the fucking snow. Yeah, they were, they were not... Um, they were not properly dressed for the weather. They didn't, a lot of them didn't have shoes on. Their tent was cut. That That's the most like, that's the creepiest part to me is that their their tent was cut from the inside. Like, why wouldn't... <laughs> the underwear is pretty creepy to me because like, I'm sorry. I, first off, I don't know who the fuck hikes for fun. It's fucking... Like, and, and camps and for winter, fun. In the winter. Yeah. Like... Um, yeah, none of that. But also... Were you sleeping in your underwear in the fucking tent? Like, I just don't... It's probably, like, sub-zero fucking temperatures. Yeah. And that makes no fucking sense to me. There's some speculation that... um, And I'll get into it a little bit more when I talk about the theories. But there's some speculation that they maybe were in their, like, night clothes. And then were trying to change or, like... But it's, like, what? Like just keep your fucking night clothes on and like that's yeah, better than underwear yeah add more layers like don't don't yeah. strip down yeah and the fact that it was cut from the inside you're just that for some reason that always strikes me whenever i hear this story it's like why like why wouldn't you just unzip the tent why right, right. like it, it's so it's so creepy and so mysterious um and when i talk about the theories it it really just it, it, it's so puzzling uh, so at this point they had found what five of the bodies. So finding the remaining four took more than two months. They were oh, finally God. found. Yeah. They were found in May, um, under four meters of snow in a ravine, 75 meters further into the woods from the pine tree. Um, and that's about 246 feet. So that's where they were found. I don't, understand i mean i guess it could have been all the snow but that wasn't that far away like why weren't they found yeah i mean unless the snow was just so fucking heavy it was just so heavy and so high yeah 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 like i mean and if it came down like i know some of the theories um and if one of them is you know true they could have been taken out by what they think happened and buried 
you know, I don't know if you're going to cover that theory, so I don't want to go into it, but like, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it does say 13 feet of snow. I So, yeah, I mean, if the weather conditions were that bad, but, and I guess I, it was back, it was in 59, so I don't know what kind of technology they had to even find these bodies. It just seems, it just seems like so frustrating if I were like these family members to think that like my relative's body was less than 300 feet away. Like that would be so right. frustrating. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, three of the four of these bodies were better dressed than the others, and there were signs that some clothing of those who had died first had been removed um, by the others to keep warm. Um, one of the hikers was wearing another's burned, torn pants, and her left foot and, and shin were wrapped in a torn jacket. So, that kind of led them to believe that, you know, they some had died first and the others were trying to use whatever they could to like keep warm, which is so upsetting. Oh yeah. So, um, the investigation opened up. So there, there was a legal inquest that it started immediately with the discovery of the first five bodies. So a medical examination found no injuries that might've led to their deaths. And it was concluded that they had all died of hypothermia. Um, one of the hikers had a small crack in his skull, but it was thought that it, but it was not thought to be a fatal, a fatal injury. Okay. Um, an examination of the four bodies found in May. That's when things started to get fucking weird. Um, so three of the hikers had fatal injuries. One had major skull damage and the two others had major chest fractures. It was found that the force required to cause such damage would have had to be so high that they compared it to like the force of a car crash. Okay. It's like no human could make this, um, could, could make, you know, could cause this kind of damage. Right. So... Notably, the bodies had no external wounds associated with the internal fractures. It was as if they had been exposed to this high level of pressure. Hmm. So it's like, like, okay, you're in a car crash, but you get, but it's not visible. Like it's only internal. It's it, bizarre. Um. So all four bodies found at the bottom of the creek. Um. In a, in a running stream of water had soft tissue damage to their head and face. So these were the ones that were found later, I think. Okay. Um, damage in what way, does it say? Yes. So one of them was missing her tongue, eyes, part of her lips, and facial tissue, and a fragment of skull bone. <clears throat> Another had his eyeballs missing, and... Another was missing his eyebrows. So, like, what? So, these were the ones who were buried in the snow, though. So, it's not possible that animals. Well, that's a theory. So, um, one of the forensic experts judged that these injuries happened after their death due to the location in the stream. So, like, animals, maybe some kind of like, yeah, just natural, like, decay whatever you know something something logical but um like 
fucking gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so there was initial speculation that the um, indigenous Mansi people, um, who were reindeer herders that were local to the area and had lived there for uh, uh, hundreds of years, had attacked the group for encroaching on their land. Several Mansi were interrogated, but the investigation um, indicated that the nature of the deaths didn't support this theory only the hikers footprints were visible and they showed no sign of any like hand-to-hand struggle i also heard in podcasts that i've listened to um that these these people were very like peaceful and this just would not have been in their character to to do that to murder 10 people yeah um so the temperature was very low it was around uh negative 25 to negative 30 celsius which is negative 13 to negative 22 fahrenheit um with a storm blowing the dead were only partially dressed which is obviously like very very bizarre um some had only one shoe some were only socks um some were found uh, wrapped in snips of ripped clothes that seemed to have been cut from those who were already dead. So journalists reporting on the available parts of the files, um, they reported they reported claims um, the, kind of these these uh, core claims is what the journalists were putting out to the media, which has made everybody like really scratch their heads about this. So six of the group members, it was reported or it was claimed upon um, the postmortem autopsies. Six of the group members died of hypothermia and three of fatal injuries. There okay. were no indications of other people nearby on the mountain apart from the nine travelers. The tent had been ripped open from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp showed that all group members left the campsite of their own accord and on foot. Some levels of radiation were found on some of the victims' clothing. Um, hmm. They, the um, forensic experts... They really tried to dispel the theory that the indigenous people were to blame because they um, the, the the injuries wouldn't line up with any human being's ability. Like they said that there is no way these were caused by people because um, the force of the blows had been too strong and there was no soft tissue that had been damaged. Right. Okay. Um, release documents had no information about the condition of the skier's internal organs, and obviously there were no survivors. So the official conclusion um, was that the group members had died because of compelling natural force. Which okay. reminds me of, you know, in the John Benet Ramsey case, the the note says a small foreign faction. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, like this, a compelling natural force. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. Uh, so, I, again, I just don't... Continue. I'll continue. Sorry. Yeah. So, the files, these files were also sent to a secret archive. So, in 1997, it was revealed that there were some negatives from one of the, hype, the hikers' camera, um, who... These were kept in one of these private archives. Um, the film material was donated by, um, 
I one of it was donated to the Dyatlov Foundation, and they also were able to access the diaries to give them some information. Um, there were some like very strange reports. Um, crime had been completely discounted from this. People were mostly relying on the theory that it was some kind of natural disaster, like an avalanche. Right. Um, so, but here are some of these like strange reports that kind of feed into some of these theories I'm going to talk about. Okay. So some people that attended the funerals of the hikers said that the bodies were unrecognizable. Their, um, their skin had these strange dark brown hues and uh, their hair was gray. Okay. So then, and like their um, hair had turned gray. Yes. Okay. And they they didn't they looked nothing like themselves. Okay. Um. One of the remaining Mansi people, her name is Sanka. She recalls this: We were coming back from the forest, and we could see the village ahead of us. She says this bright, burning object appeared. It was wider at the front and narrow at the back, with a tail, and there were sparks flying off of it. Um, it's it goes on to say that perhaps this was a comment, but Sanka says the village elders who had also witnessed this, and Sanka is actually one of the last remaining um, village members who who like witnessed that event. Okay, she said that the elders at the time warned that it was a bad omen and something very harmful. There's hmm. also reports that there was another group of hikers about um, f- about fifty kilometers or thirty one miles south of the. Dyatlov hikers that reported that they saw strange orange spheres in the sky to the north on the on the night of the incident. Similar spheres were observed um, in adjacent areas um, throughout throughout the period of February to March 1959 by various independent witnesses, um, and these included um, meteorology services and military sources. These sightings were not noted in the 1959 investigation, and the various witnesses came forward after. Okay. So here are some of the theories, and I don't go into every single one, um, because there, there are a lot. I read in one of these sources that there's like almost 80 theories about what happened here. But kind of the most popular are that there's there was an avalanche. So that's kind right. of like the go-to. And that's the one that I was going to mention. Like, so you're talking about like a car hitting someone. So like mm-hmm. an avalanche can travel like 80 miles an hour. And if yeah. that force hits you, it's going to be reminiscent of a car crash, you know? Yes. Um, so, and you'd like that blunt force trauma wouldn't mm-hmm. cause like trauma like, to the external. surface yes yeah. so i mean i can definitely buy that the other thing is that if they heard like the rumblings of an avalanche okay or if like the snowstorm was so bad that their zipper was covered that's mm-hmm. why they would have cut themselves out they could fix the tent later but they need to get the hell out of there yeah before the avalanche and that's a that's so, a sol- that's a solid theory a lot of people yeah. a lot of people think that that they sensed that there was an avalanche coming and right. they just couldn't you know something was blocking them from getting out of the tent so they just yeah. cut it open i like the creepier ones but like i mean i just was saying like the bit that i do know about this like that makes sense to me yeah um there is some compelling like evidence contradicting that yeah (laughs) so um so here's some of the the evidence that that contradicts the avalanche theory 
So it says this location of the incident did not have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. An avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris distributed over a large area. And the bodies found within a month of the event were covered with a very shallow, shallow layer of snow. And um, had there been an avalanche of sufficient strength to sweep away the second party, these bodies would have been swept away as well. This would have caused more serious and different injuries in the process and would have damaged the tree line. So, huh. okay. All right. Um, it also states that, and I think I, I'll share my sources, um, but this also states that over a hundred expeditions to the region had been held since the incident and none of them ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche. A okay. study of the area using up-to-date terrain uh, terrain-related physics revealed that the location was entirely unlikely for an avalanche to have occurred. The quote-unquote dangerous conditions found in another nearby area were observed in April and May when the snowfalls of winter were melting. During February, when the incident occurred, there were no such conditions. Hmm. Okay. Um, it, I want you to know right now. Yeah. That Sophie is currently, I guarantee, while she's listening to this, thinking it was aliens. <laughs> that's that's another theory. <laughs> um, there was also an analysis done of the terrain um, that showed that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche that found its way to the area, the path would have gone past the tent. Uh, but the tent had collapsed from the side, but not in a horizontal direction. Okay. There's also kind of like, there's also the argument that Dyatlov was really experienced. Um, uh, Zolotaryov was studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction. So there's like just the, the just kind of the, you know, the, the theory based on like they knew where to camp and where to hike and that they mm -hmm. wouldn't have picked a spot that was, um, that, that was likely to have an avalanche occur. Um, but I mean, that's less compelling to me because like people can make m mistakes, like they didn't know everything, but well, yeah, that's, that's like when people drown and they're like, well, they were really experienced divers. Well, it doesn't matter. It like... doesn't matter. Like nature will kill you if it <laughs> <Yeah>. wants to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And it, this, this also, this is kind of like flaky to me too, but this also states that footprint patterns leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone, let alone a group of nine people running in panic from either real or imagined danger. All the footprints leading away from the tent um, and toward the woods were consistent with people that were just walking at a normal pace. Which makes it even weirder that they were half naked. Right. Right. Um, yeah, very bizarre. So, uh, this theory was revisited in a reopening of the investigation that began in 2015 and authorities hold that this is the cause and they cite even more, obviously like more advanced, um, information that they believe, um, you know, validates the theory even more. Right. So <laughs> other theories, I I'm going to skip this one cause this is going to take a while, but, uh, other kind of random theories that I think are just really interesting is the idea of infrasound. Do you know what that is? No. So infrasound is kind of, it's this like, um, almost this like subconscious, it's this like subconscious sound that makes you think you're going insane. Mm. 
Yeah. Okay. So let me what read. What causes it though? Um. So. So basically, it's <laughs> it's described as a like a vortex, <laughs> okay, which can produce infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks. Um, and they people that think this think that it was generated by the wind as it passed over the top of the mountains, and then as a result caused actual physical discomfort and mental distress in the hikers because of the panic. Mm. Then the hikers were driven to leave the tent however they could. And they fled down the slope by the time they they were further. Right. I don't buy this one. I just think it's interesting. Oh yeah. Sorry. I just, I was just like, but they walked. Right. (laughs) But basically it's like this, um, how I, how I think of it is it's like this almost, the sound that y- you can't actually register that you're hearing, but it's causing like bodily disruption. Okay. And then you kind of, it almost causes like a psychosis, like okay. a, like a psychotic sort of state where you get really, you get panicky. Um, and then, so they were all like subjected to this infrasound and they wandered off. And then by the time they kind of like snapped out of it, they were so, they were like, so distance from their tent that they couldn't find their way back and then like hypothermia and all these like more natural causes kind of set in okay um so huh. that's a, that's a theory very pretty outlandish yeah but interesting yes um uh, another one is the the mancy people theory which i just don't fucking buy at all i yeah, think i don't no, and the if one anything, thing they would have tried to help them, I think, rather than let them, you know, freeze to death. Yeah, and in the BBC article that I read about this, the one, the one guy that's um, part of this indigenous group is like they would have. He was like they would have thrown us all in jail, like that if they even right. if that was a serious like consideration. There's no way people white people treat indigenous people like shit. Like they they right. would have they would have pressed that and. there's just there there's no way that that was even um remotely a possibility they all would have been thrown in jail or worse yeah absolutely especially at that time because the the um the political climate like that they wouldn't have stood a chance no um another one was catabotic winds which is basically like just a a type of what i believe is like a very forceful wind so that kind of goes with like the avalanche natural like natural disaster type of thing um another kind of cool one is paradoxical undressing due to hypothermia oh like they thought they were hot so they yes it's kind of like your body's like oh i don't it's like your body's like Oh, I'm I'm hot because it's probably going into some sort of like shock. Shock, yeah, yeah. So, I I don't I don't think so. But um, I'm waiting for the one. Uh, which one? The radiation Soviet Union military test? No, but that one is. I kind of can buy into that one. Oh, I can too. That's why I saved it for last because there's a lot more to that one. Um, um, what's the other one? The Yeti. Oh yeah, the Yeti is a theory. Um, I didn't go too much into that, but yeah, there, there's a theory. It was a Yeti. There's a theory of alien abduction. I mean, you could go, you could go for days. Yeah. What do you know about the Yeti? Um, just like I just read and seen some really shitty horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
about it and like you know um that some of them their faces were frozen in fear and blah blah blah, you know that kind of shit um so i don't know a whole lot about it but i think the yeti one is hilarious Uh, yeah the yeti one is so like silly i alien objection Eh, i don't know (laughs) the yeti one though like so it makes me laugh because i literally covered the yeti case Mm-hmm. and it was in russia mm-hmm, and true. it was a tribe of people yeah you know so like i mean if they want to go with something like that i guess but i highly fucking doubt it and it was i mean it wasn't that long after, like before this happened true. <laughs> that she yeah. was around so i don't know I also just found the picture of the dude with no eyeballs. So that's, that's a good time. Um, but yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, there are like 80 theories. Like you could, yeah. we could talk about this in multiple episodes. There are so many crazy outlandish theories, but the radiation and military tests is by far, in my opinion, the most compelling. Yes. Yeah. So Especially since they had radiation on their clothes, right? Mm-hmm. There was radiation yeah. on their clothes. There's these weird, um, there's these weird, like, uh, you know, witness accounts of the funerals and that the bodies just looked very strange. Um, so there is a lot of speculation that the campsite fell within the path of the Soviet uh, parachute mine exercise. This theory um, alleges that the hikers woken by loud explosions fled the tent in a shoeless panic and found themselves unable to return um, to get their supplies. So some members froze to death and um, others commandeered their clothes only to be fatally injured by the subsequent parachute mine concussions. There are definitely records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time that the hikers were there. Parachute mines um, detonate while still in the air rather than upon striking the Earth's surface and produce signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers. Um, A lot of internal damage um, with less external trauma. The theory coincides with um, reported sightings of glowing orange orbs floating or falling in the sky within the general area of the hikers and allegedly photographed by them. Uh, potentially a military aircraft or um, descending parachute mines. So this theory uses the scavenging animals to explain the one uh, hiker's injuries, which I think they're referencing like the the like body parts being missing mm-hmm. but but some speculated that the bodies were actually like manipulated due to um like these characteristic markings discovered during um an autopsy as well as burns to hair and skin hmm. super I mean, the, weird the tan like they also mentioned the skin was like was like tan and like it was gray and discolored and they specifically said brown tan not like like because frostbite you know but that would turn your skin blue or black no yeah the one there's one um the one guy i forget his name because it's very russian but he actually created this uh diatlov like foundation okay Um, he was like 12 years old and went to some of these funerals and he said that their their skin was the color of bricks 
Yeah, so that wouldn't be frostbite. It doesn't seem consistent with frostbite or like decomposing. I mean, maybe they did some really shitty makeup, but like I I, don't I know. doubt it. And and the some of the um there were quotes from some of the relatives that saw the bodies like when they first got back um that just said that they just were they didn't look like their relatives like they were just right. almost unrecognizable so um there's another there's a very similar theory that um that there was radio radiological weapons being tested and it's partly based on the discovery of radioactivity on some of the clothing as well as the bodies being described by relatives as have, having orange skin and gray hair um <laughs> but the the problem with that is that uh radioactive um material would have affected all of the hikers and their equipment not just some of it and it wasn't found on all of of the items and and the bodies um this says that the that the skin and hair discoloration can be explained by like mummification after three months of exposure to the cold um but i I just but one of them was diatlov and he had not been out there that long Right, right. I think it was like Dyatlov's sister that said that he just did not look like himself. And he hadn't been out there as long as the ones that were found in May. Hmm. Um, there's also some like a suppression, like the, the Soviet um, government was just real shady about files about like information about this it and i even heard in um the sinisterhood podcast that at first they weren't even wanting the bodies to be sent back home like they wanted the bodies to be buried there um like like where it happened in like a mass grave and I didn't find anything like that in my research, but I did. But that podcast did share that. Um, I was looking for it in my research because I was like, that would be a dead giveaway. Like, why wouldn't they let the bodies like go back to the families? Right, right. Like they're hiding something clearly. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, but I could not find that in all in in these articles. So I'm not. I'm not sure um, the accuracy of that, but in my research, there is a lot about the Soviet government um, being very secretive, putting things in like these private archives, like being very, very uh, stingy with what they, with what the public knew. Hmm. Um, So the, Here's another really strange thing that kind of came out when um, when reporters and other people that there because there are some folks that have been digging into this since it happened. Um, So this information came out that when the first four bodies that were found were examined, they set up a makeshift morgue and the morgue was surrounded by KGB officers, not police like there. I think so. I think the KGB officers are more like I, I think like military Right, Whereas, rather than... But not, like, not local police. I think and, they're more, like, government. Yes. Like, interesting. So they were, like, surrounding these morgues. Nobody was allowed in. And then um, they there was also reported to be a big barrel of alcohol delivered before the autopsies, which was believed to have possibly been used um, as a primitive form of protection against the radiation. So here's Why a, did they have so much fucking radiation? I I don't know. So this um, 
this is a direct quote by one of these um kind of i think it's more like an armchair investigator like he was just really interested Mm -hmm. um but so what he states um is small containers of alcohol were sometimes used to store fragments of organs but this was a very large quantity and the forensics teams were given clear instructions to wipe themselves all over with the alcohol to rub it all over their naked bodies such measures never normally took place in those days Hmm. and uh, another thing is there are well it was reported that there were animals that were found dead in the area locals like um you know where you got more into the mainland were told not to use the water and the area was closed to hunters for like four years what and it's and you're just like but why this was after they were found. Yes, after they were found, which just kind of contributes to like what, like there's something environmental, obviously, if they're right t- telling people not to drink the water, not to hunt the animals there. There's animals turning up dead mysteriously, like some weird Chernobyl shit. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. So, um, so those that's kind of and honestly that's about all we know like there's just a lot of speculation um i i think what very well could have happened is that the hikers um saw maybe saw something that they weren't necessarily supposed to see and maybe had perhaps had to be killed because of what they saw um maybe some of them saw the explosion some of them didn't but the ones that ended up maybe the ones that did not see it like they just kind of had to get rid of them so that it wouldn't get out right oh wow but here i I can definitely see that happening uh, right yeah and just like with the political climate of the time right it kind of you could see it's yeah, not, yeah, it's not completely crazy. Fuck, I could see that happening now. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. So now here's the weird DNA thing. Okay. So Zol uh, Zilatariev, he so he's the one that joined the hike later. So he's been regarded as like the most experienced member of this group. He had been 37 at the time, whereas the others ranged from 20 to 24. So he was quite a bit older. Um, it seems that he was like some kind of professor at the school and not a student. Okay. Um, he'd served in World War II. And at the end of the war, um, he enlisted in the Minsk Institute of Physical Education, um, which I think is... Um, then he was getting like that master certificate in ski instruction. And it was, it's been said that he often confused significant events from his life and he gave incorrect information um, about his combat awards. Okay. So it, it was not recorded that his body had ever been identified at the time of being found, like by relatives. Later, it was revealed to family members that the body had several tattoos. And no, none of the family members remembered him ever having tattoos. What? So there was also no record of him ever having been buried um, at the cemetery with the other hikers. So journalists of, it's a really long name. It's a Russian tabloid that they abbreviate as KP. Um, Journalists of KP exhumed the body to do a DNA test, which I think was in 2018. (laughs) So, forensic medical expert Sergei Nikitin performed the method of superimposition of um, 
the hiker of Zolotaryov's photo and the right. skull from the grave. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. And they concluded with this that th- it was definitely the like the hiker that they um, found and the hiker like and who he alleged to be were the same person. Okay. But upon exhumation, they took they did a DNA test um, using. So here's where it gets fuzzy. This tabloid I was reading on Reddit a little bit. A lot of people think this tabloid is trash and that this this test may not have been completely credible like some people question the credibility um i got a lot of information from the actual diatlov pass uh website about about this in particular because not a lot was available on it otherwise it's um diatlovpass.com and so take this for what it is because some people really question it but um so the journalists, they push for this, uh, the body to be exhumed, and there are contradictory of results obtained. So they use DNA from um, one of the, from Zolotaryov's, like, descendant, um, it's like a great niece and a great nephew. Okay. Uh, or maybe it might have been a, a, a niece and a nephew, but they use mitochondrial DNA, which I believe is what you get from the mother's side. Okay. So they took DNA from this niece and nephew and um and the DNA analysis completely excludes any match meaning that those relatives were not the hiker that was bare like the hiker that was found. What? Yeah, they're not they were not genetically matched. What the fuck? Yeah. So in addition, it and it does it turns out that he his name was not on the list buried at the cemetery with the other hikers. Um but the exhumed skull did match the um post-war photographs of Zolotaryev. Um but so kind of what the theory is is that um another person was perhaps hiding under his name after okay. world war ii because i believe all Ooh, i wonder had, if he like died in world war ii and someone just took over his that's i think that's kind of what they're speculating because what? they only seem to have access to post-war photos it was said that he um had a lot of like uh, contradictory information and got like life events mixed up. There were these tattoos that nobody remembered. Um, he was also just not like nobody, nobody in the Diatlov group really knew him. He just kind of um, joined later. So right. it, it is. It, and then they, there's this DNA, like, unless you know he had been adopted or something like that but this dna from his descendants um did not match his wow Uh, yeah so it's just like it's really fascinating it's so unknown that you don't you kind of it's just like one of those things where you're not really sure what to believe Uh, yeah yeah like what's true and what's not like what the uh, why and why would if someone if he did die and someone took over his like identity Mm -hmm. how would his like he had seen his family when he came back from war well and it says here that he did not go straight home he okay he did this um he did this like uh school program 
Okay. okay. So like maybe he never did go home. And like then when they're interviewing these these relatives later, they're like, he didn't have tattoos. I mean he could have gotten them. Though. Right. Like, like it's not uncommon in the military to get those, especially then. Yeah. Um, that's you know. Huh. Fucking weird. Isn't that weird? Um Yeah, so the the family the family is just like obviously very confused yeah um so in this um part of the diatlovpass.com website it says when they called julia orahova the his grandniece said we are shocked by this result we were sure that Semyon Zolotaryov would be in the grave. And if it's not him, then we need to file an application with the investigative committee with a request to open a criminal case and find out who was buried in 1959 under a memorable sign with a tablet bearing the name of our relative. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, yep. So that is the wild story of Dyatlov Pass and the maybe, um, <laughs> the maybe imposter. Yeah. So the name Dyatlov is like kind of, I mean, it's not really cursed, but did you know that uh, the Chernobyl disaster is blamed on someone named Dyatlov? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? When I made that connection, I was like, what the fuck? Um, I can't say his first name, but Anna... Anatoly Dyatlov uh, was the chief um, deputy chief engineer of the Chernobyl nuclear plant. Um, and Get the he, hell out of here. Yep. And, and he when was, did that happen? Uh, Chernobyl 80s? happened in, yeah, I think it was the 80s. Hold on. Uh, do, 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 do. I want to check because I don't want to fuck it up. Um, yeah, in the 80s, like 86, I think. But he uh, served prison time because they said he didn't follow the um, he, he there was like all these violations of safety regu- regulations that led to the explosion. It was his fault. Oh, so. That's just a weird coincidence that's about like the very... radioactivity on their clothes and them. <laughs> and they weren't related, but like, you know, but it's like maybe Dialov's like a fucking time traveler. Or, like, just a cursed fucking name at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to name any of my children Dyatlov. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I was going to, but... Yeah, that was, like, at the top of my list. Yeah, Um, but I guess I can't. Speaking of children's names, um, there was a a Facebook post about, like, nature names to name your children and nature names to not name your children, and one of them was Hellbender. (laughs) And I was like, okay, but that would be, like, the top of my list. That's a dope-ass name. Hellbender Nelovanko. <laughs> it fits. It does. It works. But yeah, that was good. That was really good. I like that. Isn't that a, just a wild ride? And that like is, that's it's that's, the best way to find stories though, is to find something that you're like you've always been curious about or like you're obsessed with and just dig deep for that DNA angle. I know. It was so frustrating. It was yeah. so frustrating. Yeah. I was that's, I was Googling everything with DNA and I like I mm, it was so frustrating. I'm really glad I found this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and here's the thing. If you hadn't of, we still could have covered it because it's cool as fuck. And who cares at this point? You know, you could have. I was getting to that. I was getting to that point. But I'm like, I really wanted to have DNA. That's like our niche. That's our thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could have pulled a off, man. You know, 
Oh, yeah, I forget what your link to that even was. What, what the Mothman would have been DNA made. Like, what, what DNA would have made the Mothman. Good enough, you know? Good enough. Yeah, I was almost yes. at that point. I was getting so frustrated. Um, but this one was cool. It was- this was very cool. That was a really neat twist that I was not expecting. Because I thought maybe they were going to pull DNA, like, to see if they could find, like... <laughs> I don't know, some kind of radioactivity or some shit like that after you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, well, maybe they, I don't know. I don't know how they could figure that out. Or maybe they found DNA of somebody under their fingernails or some shit, you know? Yeah. Or like, uh, I would be interested to know about if there was like mutations still in that area. Right. I could definitely see that being... What caused it, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say, but that's like one of the ones that keep you up at night yeah yeah that was really good thanks good job oh let me tell you my sources though because i used quite a yeah. few um i used a lot of the dialov pass wikipedia um gotta love wikipedia got to a bbc um article called the mystery of dialov pass and the dialovpass.com nice yeah so solid there we go yeah you got it really good thank you you got anything for a padded room uh, i need to be in a padded room this week that's what i have to say uh, yeah i'd like to bounce off the walls in a padded room oh my god that sounds me. really really fun actually doesn't it and like cozy yeah give me the straight jacket and yeet me in there i'll take it <laughs> um <laughs> I I do have a padded room that's really embarrassing, but also funny. Okay. Uh, You're going to fucking crack up because I called you. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm pretty sure I talked about it. I was doing, I was, I got makeup so I could do a poison ivy cosplay. I'm pretty sure that was part of my padded room last week. Uh, I feel like I mentioned it at some point, or maybe I just talked to you about it. I think you just talked. I don't know. It's hard Either to. Way. Yeah. The makeup came. Um, it was really poor quality makeup. It was really bad. Really bad. I hope you didn't pay a lot of money for that. Oh, I did not. I did not. Okay, good. And um, so I was putting it on. And as I was putting it on, I was like, wow, this is fucking shit. I can't blend it. It's streaky. There's nothing I can do. Like, it's supposed to be good quality. And it was not. No. And, um... I'm doing it and I'm like, fuck, this is horrible. And I look at Joey and I'm like, you know who I look like? I look like fucking salad fingers. <laughs> and she did, y'all. And I did. So then at that point, it transformed from me actually trying to make it look pretty to me making it look like salad fingers. Just embracing the salad fingers. Yeah. So like I, I darked out my eyes and I put like deep lines under my eyes to make it look like I had like big bags. Um, and then I went on an adventure and FaceTimed everyone. Um, yes. With no context to- except, do you remember salad fingers? Yes, including me. And I was yeah. just, it, and that, <laughs> that's one of those videos. Okay. I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but I don't like a lot of movies and stuff that people like because I find them very sinister. For okay. example, um, uh, Wizard of Oz. 
Oh, see, I fucking, but I like Wizard of Oz because I think it's sinister. I find it very creepy and off-putting. Um, okay. You're going to hate me, but the same is like Edward Scissorhands. I find it fucking Aww. weird. Okay. Um, Back to the Future, I find fucking weird. Like, I find all these things really strange and everyone's like, those are the best movies. And I'm like, well, listen. Marty almost fucks his mom, so I can't Thank with Back you. to the Future. That one Thank fucks you. me up. I don't like Back to the Future. I it's, love Doc Brown, but I just can't. But it, it's weird, right? like yeah well salad fingers is meant to be that way though no i know i know and it just i always found it so like so disturbing so when you facetime me i'm just like you were like pure like sheer horror on your face disgust (laughs) it was so funny well and then i was really upset because somebody else was like why didn't you do old greg and i was like motherfuck i love old greg old greg would have been so much funnier (laughs) than salad fingers (laughs) and my hair was blue and like dark and it would have worked and i was like motherfucker i should have just done old greg Um, maybe i did redeem myself did i send you my picture of my actual good oh yeah that looked great yeah i did redeem myself um and did a very good job with my cosplay and i was very happy with it um even though i had a reaction to the makeup but yeah so that's my pattern. did you just do that like for funsies or was it like tiktok okay but i i am planning on doing it for a convention when we can finally fucking go back to conventions again i know you used to do that shit a lot yeah and i haven't been to one like in forever and it's killing me um but i wanted a really good like quality cosplay for the next convention that i don't have to like think about too hard and that one would be super comfortable and i would look badass so i would like to point out it's also not the poison ivy that everyone's thinking about like in the corset with like the fucking ivy and shit like it's the one from the harley quinn cartoon that's on hbo max and the dc universe app right now and she's very snarky and just like perfect so um yeah so it was just for tiktok and for fun yeah that one that one looked good that makeup looked good like yeah i but that other shit it was like cakey and weird it was all streaky and it wasn't the right color and none of it was consistent and i was like i did it and i was like listen i'm good at makeup like i'm not great at makeup but i can do like special effects makeup and i can do what i'm trying to do i know i'm capable of it why the fuck is this not working it was just really bad quality it was yes not good so so not good but um i i did redeem myself and it looked great so that's my padded room okay yeah it did you did it did end up looking very good yeah thanks Uh what's your padded room um my padded room is that i just needed like a comfort show um you know when you just need a comfort show well yeah you've watched schitt's creek like 300 times yeah i absolutely (laughs) you know what i mean i started watching scrubs again from the beginning i I love scrubs 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 is really good it it's so underrated too like Mm -hmm. it is not appreciated enough i love scrubs so much it makes me it just gives me like the warm and fuzzies to watch like early 2000s scrubs yes yes it, yes it's been very comforting this Good. this week because it's been a ro- it's just been like a gross week i don't know yeah it really has i started watching sex in the city again oh nice i i binged that a while back yeah i i forgot that i actually really enjoyed it when How i wasn't feel- actually allowed to watch it how do you feel about the reboot with without Samantha? Uh, oh, I didn't know she. Yeah, did you not know that? Nope. Nope. Samantha is not in the reboot. Why? Um, because she and SJP are not BFFs. 
Samantha is my favorite, so that's kind of shitty. Yeah, it's going to be much less. um, It's going to be more city and way less sex without Samantha. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just I just really loved Samantha's. I don't fucking care. attitude. Yeah, I guess there's like some really bad blood. Um, I wonder why. Um, I just heard that she said like a while back that she's like, I will never do anything related to sex in the city ever again. I wonder how they fucked her over. Can't I wanna see. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, hmm. let's see. Yeah, she's just like, nope. Hmm. But it's just kind of like I hmm. Can we talk about reboots for a minute? It's not sex in the city. Okay. They're doing a fucking True Blood reboot already. I was never into that show, but that's not, it's not old enough for a reboot. Well, here's the thing. And the only reason I'm okay with it, at first I was pissed. I was like, no, it literally just ended not that long ago. It's not old enough to need a fucking reboot yet. Mm -mm. But then when I read, they were like, we're actually going to go, I guess they're going to focus actually on the books because what happened with the True Blood show is they started off with the books and then they just fucking took it and ran and did whatever the fuck they wanted with it rather Mm -hmm. than you know, following the books. So if they Uh, actually follow the books, I'm all right with a reboot. I'm curious about the casting. I, you know, I hope they do a better job. Um, It's not going to be the same without uh, Lafayette. And I'm real sad about that, but it'll be okay. Um, But I just can't believe that they're already doing a fucking reboot when it just just ended. That just seems like a real like money grab. Like, oh, we can just do this because we can. I feel like maybe they realized they fucked up big. Mm. But yeah, so that's kind of like fucking Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones fucked up big in my eyes. It did. It did. It really fucking did. They got way ahead of, you know, anything. And now what they've done is canon. And what's he going to do when he actually finishes the fucking books? (sighs) <sighs> that, yeah that's the thing um so i'm reading about this feud with sarah jessica parker and kim cattrall it seems to have come from money and kind of just like a money and power struggle with the show like sarah jessica parker was like a producer um and the other like this the other three minus kim cattrall like were kind of like buddies like at award shows and stuff they would all sit together and kim cattrall would sit like alone i don't know it just seems like a bunch of like catty bullshit to me yeah i just i don't want any part of that you ever sit there anything about what would i be like if i was famous nope Mm -mm. Mm -mm. oh god who are like who is like your unbearable like celebrity? I feel like there are so many celebrities that are like unbearable. Like I know um Katherine Heigl is like a total dick. <laughs> you know, the problem is I fucking loved Katherine Heigl. Like I was obsessed with Katherine Heigl for the longest time, and then she turned out to be an asshole. Uh-huh. I heard she's and I was a just big like a-hole. And it makes me sad because I loved her and I like it's, you know, then she turns out to just be a dick to everybody that uh, she's around. Yeah, don't um, don't meet your idols, man. It's yeah, good. get better idols. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, I don't really know. Who do you have one that just drives you fucking nuts? Um, def- I mean, Catherine Heigl is definitely one of them. Okay. Um, I'm sure I do. I can't think of any right now. Do you? Not off the top of my head. Like, I know there's some that, like, I'll just turn a movie if they're in. But, like, they're so far removed from my brain because I hate them so much that, like, I can't think of them. <laughs> like, I can't even think about yeah, you. <laughs> I just can't because I get mad. But Yeah, I'm sure I have. Oh, well, I mean, this is kind of an unpopular opinion also. I don't like Johnny Depp. 
I like old, like crybaby Johnny Depp. Yeah. What's like, eating Gilbert Grape, Gilbert Johnny Grape, Depp. Yeah. 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 Like, well, I mean, he's a kid then, but I just, I don't. Classic Johnny Depp I can get behind. Newer Johnny Depp, not so much. He just seems like kind of a shitty person. Amber Heard. Amber Heard's a fucking piece of shit. Oh, yeah. She's I a, used yeah. to love her and she proved to be a fucking asshole. Yeah. Very true. Um, you know, it, it and sucks. And maybe some of that's clouding my judgment of Johnny Depp, but I never really liked him before that either. I just really liked his old stuff. But there are always the ones that you hope will never, ever, like nothing bad will ever come out about them because you, like, love them so much. Oh, my God. If anything bad ever was said, like, ever said and proved about, like, Tom Hanks, I will fucking off myself. Oh, there's, like, there's, like, a whole, um... Not to make you off yourself. But there's like a whole thing that he's like involved in. Like it's the conspiracy theory people. Like Shut I do up. not believe this, Shut but up. they think he's involved in like all these like child sex rings and shit. No there's no way. way. Uh, no, there's no, no way. No, no, literally no way. Like no. it, it cannot be. I will. Um, se- I will seriously like. I will fling myself off this planet <laughs> i know i know and i don't think it's true but you know any way that they can i there's a girl i know who post about it and i was like are you fucking kidding me right now like get the fuck out of here there's no way it's you not better, true you better show me oh no yeah i want i want actual proof not just I want, you and i don't want your fucking reddit theories and shit yeah yep yep but yeah so well, <sighs> get better idols yep and Thank you. Welcome to our TED Talk and goodbye. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, I have an animal for you real quick. Oh, okay. You're not going to think it's cute. Oh, shit. Okay. It's a blunt-headed burrowing frog. Blunt-headed burrowing frog. Say that five times fast. (laughs) Blunt-headed burrowing frog. Blunt-headed burrowing frog. Oh, no, I actually kind of do. They're so derpy. They're, they're derpy and, like, kind of, like, just round and... Yeah. And, like, they're just very round. They're very round. They're, like, chubby little derpies. I really like them. I just think they're really neat looking. No, they're silly. I, they're kind of funny. Yeah, that's... I just... They make me laugh when I look at them. There's, like, they a big... Funny. If you scroll down, there's, like, one that's, like, the size of Frank. Oh my god. Did you find it? I think so. They're it's got like the tiniest head and it's like and it's a like complete circle. It's bulbous. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's my animal. I just think they're funny and they make me laugh. They are pretty funny. And they have tiny little butt cheeks. <laughs> Which I think is <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> okay, so no, that's your animal. Thank you. That was yeah. Nice. That was a nice way to round it out. Um, all right, our social medias. Uh, find us on Facebook at Chardonnay and Sign DNA. I didn't feel the strength to say ampersand, even though I just did. Um, <laughs> uh, Instagram at Chardonnay and DNA. Uh, the Twitter that we never fucking use at Chardonnay DNA. Uh, website is www.chardonnayanddna.com. Uh, Gmail is the same, but at Gmail if you want to send us an email. Um, and how you put the www dot like an old person. I know I am an old person. <laughs> I want to go to bingo. I want to do old people shit and oh, do yeah. brunch. Like I love old people shit. Old people shit and chill. Y- yes. Yeah. yeah. Old people shit and chill. Um, and mm, 
TikTok is Chardonnay and DNA. Come find us on there. Share our shit. Oh my god, and please, for the love of God, can you please suggest some stories because your girl almost just gave up this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think next week I'm gonna do a story that I don't have a DNA angle on. So. I mean, it you know, it comes to that sometimes. I mean, there's a DNA angle, but it's gonna be like the Mothman one, so. You're just gonna say... The word DNA, and yeah, it's gonna... <laughs> Like there's there's no DNA in the store. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the very end, I'd be like, they did not test DNA. The end. The end. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Chardonnay DNA. Yes. Maybe it'll just be Chardonnay. Um, just just Chardonnay. Just Chardonnay next Chardonnay week. Chardonnay and DNA minus the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, have a great week. Uh, I almost burped again. Oh my god, <laughs> woman! I know. Well, you know, got to round it out. Yeah. Um, have a good week. And send us some stories or some shit you want to hear us babble about. And, and hey, uh, um, eat some glass. And lick some rust. Bye. Bye.